0: Right, so uh, we actually haven't started yet, have we?
1: <laughs> Good afternoon. Today I'm talking to Martin. Uh, hiya, Martin. Do you want to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit more about yourself?
0: Yeah. Hi, Donna. Thanks for um, welcoming me to this uh, interview. Really pleased to do it. Really grateful for the opportunity. So my name is Martin Tracy. Probably to tell by my accent, I'm a Birmingham-based author. Uh, born and Bred, um, this is what the Peaky Blinders are meant to sound like. Um, but what do I do then? My, I wouldn't say I'm that genre-specific in writing um, my books. However, um, I do lean towards horror, psychological thrillers, um, some crime in there. Um, I've written a series that is still ongoing called the Judd Stone series, so we'll probably explore that a little bit more over this interview. And... Um, Birmingham does seem to feature actually in my books, there's a lot of settings, but um, I do like to involve other places that I've visited and liked. for example, Prague, Amsterdam features in some books. Um, and there's always a musical element as well. Um, always have some sort of
1: musical element within my books. So that's, that's me. Did you always want to write? Uh, good question, yes.
0: And no. Um, so I say yes, because I kind of knew I'm um, rubbish with maths, by the way, rubbish with numbers, rubbish with drawing, artwork, anything like that. But I kind of knew I could write pretty early on. Um, I won a couple of back to back competitions for my school um, when I was about six, seven years old. Um, and that, and that was from writing stories. One was about a magic ice cream van um, to do the Green Cross Code. Um, And the other one was about um, keeping away from building sites. So um, it was a national, both national competitions. And and, um, I think the school was quite pleased with me. And so I kind of, and I was an avid reader. Um, Enid Blyton was my um, sort of uh, person I used to go to books as a kid. Um, But then I, before getting back into writing, I was more into music. and that's why music features in my book so much so um, you know I, I was I was determined to be a pop star between the ages of 18 and 25 which never happened <laughs> had had some success got to play with the fine young cannibals um and and my literary sort of um playing with words etc came through songwriting um so that was my first love apart from if, you, if you'd counted what had happened to me at school um. So on the back of that and writing songs, and it came to a point where I kind of made the decision to swap the music for writing books and do something a bit more substantial with the writing. Um, so that that's how it came. So it's back to that thing. Everyone's got a book in them. So I thought I'll do one. My first book was Beneath the Floodlights. As it happens, I got the book,
1: and uh, I'm on book six now. <laughs> so there you go. Um, so, what made you when you wrote it? Were you planning on taking it all the way to trying to get it published?
0: Um, yeah, I think so. I think um, not that familiar with the industry back then. Um, when when I when I um, so so I thought I thought traditional publishing was really the only route, to be honest. Um, and obviously, the books that I was more akin to reading at that time. Um, were traditional publishers and you, your famous authors, you know, your Stephen King's, Richard Layman's, um, Martina Cole, people like that. Um, it, it didn't get me a traditional publishing contracts, but I did get an agent, um, although... So I kind of knew that I, I, I could... I was could, going back to my earlier point without trying to sound too uh, conceited, but... I, I, I do feel like um, writing is something I can do, and, and that kind of helped me think that by bagging an agent. Um, I'm not with the agent anymore, that's a long story. <laughs> um, but then more and more getting in with the industry, more and more networking with other authors who um, have been really, really helpful. Um, it's been really good to have that network of authors, and authors really, in the main, um, support one another and work together. Um, so, it just helped me understand the industry a bit more and move into the self publishing genre. And um, after that first book, um, I did uh, so, I self published that. I then second, I, I, I could have gone with a traditional publisher for Mind Gorilla, which was my second book. Um, but as it happens, I actually chose to stick with um, self publishing because it felt like a better, a better option for me um, with that particular publisher. And then since then, I've, I've only ever considered self-publishing, really. I, I don't uh, send it around to traditional publishers at all. Um, I'm quite comfortable with doing the self-publishing. I like the control. I like the way you can choose your cover. Um, the, the, I suppose if there is a downside of self-publishing, you're very much on your own in terms of marketing. That's probably what you don't get in terms of traditional publishing. But, you know, people who traditionally publish hats off to them. Well done. Great. Um, you know you've just got to do what works for you so yeah that that, that that's how my journey is panday my tapestry of writing is panda anyway
1: um did you carry on being an avid reader into adulthood
0: yeah i did um i'm one of them I, I haven't got a long attention span which is a bit ironic for a writer um so i will read and um usually i read you know I'm usually a visual guy. I usually watch films and TV, Netflix, Quentin Tarantino films I love. I usually do that rather than read. Um, so my reading tends to happen just last thing at night lying in bed before the light goes off to go to sleep and it'll only be a chapter at the most, you know, um, maybe a couple. So I've I'd very rarely read just have a book and read it back to front, which, which is what I'd like people to do in my book. So I'm not setting a good example. Um, but I think what one of the actual inspirations um, to write was, which got me back into, I guess, um, reading more in adulthood, was the Dan Brown series. Um, the Da Vinci Code I think took off quite well, Angels and Demons, and that, and that really intrigued me. And then reading his books, they were page turners. You know, they kept my interest. And I, actually, to be fair to Dan, I, I don't think I did. Um, only read a chapter at a time. I think I, I, I did feel like I couldn't put it down. Um, and it actually inspired some of the approach to my writing because with my writing I do kind of mix that fact and fiction. So they're fiction novels and they're fictional characters, but I weave a bit of, of fact in, like the uh, 27 Club, um, which is uh, features in my book Club 27, Luna, my latest book, um, looks at the Lunar Society. Um, so I weave stories around that and, and I think um, it was Dan Brown that gave me the inspiration to do that because um, the way he approached his book seemed to be, to suggest that he was looking at fact and fiction and mixing it and weaving it and, and, and then coming up. So um, that, that was something I guess I took on board.
1: And what made you decide to write in the genre that you write in all the genres?
0: I think it was um, read books that sorry, write books that I like to read. So my go-to, um, although Da Vinci Co, I don't, I don't know quite, I don't know. How you've categorised them, to be honest. Um, <laughs> probably just general fiction, I don't know. Um, but, but before that, I you know, my go-to books were the horror genre, that Stephen King's James Herbert, Richard Layman. Um, And I've always had a bit of a fascination with the supernatural ghosts. Um, the first book I wrote was, I wanted to do a vampire novel. And that was going back to my visual thing with films, two of my favourite films, The Lost Boys, um, From *Dust Till Dawn. And I wanted to put something in print um, around vampires. You know, I just love vampires. <laughs> and, and wolves and things like that. Wolves, not just the football team. Uh, but werewolves, um, all that. You know, that, that's just something I've been interested in. In fact, as a kid, um, probably shouldn't admit to this, but I used to watch Hammer Horror films as a kid. So The Curse, of The Werewolf, and... And at they, they an early age, all that imagery really connected with me at an early age. Um, so that, that junk, although my books have moved into crime, they're not just purely horror. Uh, the Judstone series is, is crime, little bit of supernatural within it, but I, I wouldn't say they're not horror books by any stretch of the imagination. They're more psychological thrillers based on crime. He's a private investigator these days anyway, Juddstone. Um, I think the crime angle came from um, when I wrote Mind Guerrilla. It was just, it was just, it's about time I wrote a crime novel. It seemed like a thing to do um, and it was meant to be a standalone and it's quite a substantial book. Um, but what was good about it is a lot of people connected with the character of Stone and um, stated in reviews and things they wanted to read more about him. So, a series was born, was never my intention. Um, <laughs> but I'm now on book four of the Judd Stone series. <laughs> so, there you go, yeah.
1: Yeah, I think that's the one I've got to read for their blog tour at some point. <laughs> oh, so, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know exactly how substantial it is. <laughs> it,
0: it is. It's, 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 an, it, it's going to be my epic, you know, like the Stand, Stephen King and that. That's, that's what I wanted it to be one of them epic reads. There's a lot of subplots in that. Um. And, they all, and again, inspired by Tarantino, if you think of the Pulp Fiction film, there's all these different things that happen. And then they all come together at the end. That was something that happens in Mind Gorilla. There's a few different things. You can't necessarily see all the connections and then it becomes apparent towards the end. So it, it, was, a, it was a bit of um, a challenge to write, but I wanted to do it. Um, however, um, as I say, I've, I've come up with this epic book, um, it's five hundred sixteen pages long, but a series was born out of it. The other books aren't; are kind of almost half that three hundred pages is. Um, but yeah, but I suppose it's a good foundation to build the series on.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll let you know when I get round to reading it.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, but I hope you like it.
1: <laughs> You'll know anyway, because I'm on the blood tour, whether I like it or not. So,
0: <laughs> all right, cool. Well, thank you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's how I mean, That is. I have no choice. My name gets put down, whatever.
0: <laughs> oh, thank you, Zoe.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's very persuasive. No, it's fine. I agreed, it's all good. Um, so if you were to be a character in your Juddstone series, would you get on with him and would you get on with the rest of your characters? Oh, good, good.
0: I would get on with him. Um, he, he doesn't suffer falls um I don't think I'm a fool <laughs> um I think I would get on with him to be honest I suppose some of the things I lived through Judstone um so he's a John Lennon fan like me he's a Beatles fan like me but I suppose the things I haven't had the bottle to do in the past sometimes he'll just go out on a limb you know he is really sort of um he's quite gung-ho um so um, I suppose I can live some of my fantasies through Judd Stone even at times. Um, although I'm not, he, he kills people and I've never killed anyone. So let me just put that out there. <laughs> um, you know, he's, he's one of them. He's, he's very, he's always very intent on um, getting justice, um, but he gets justice a lot in an extreme way. Um, you know, he, he likes to seek justice and revenge where he sees that he's very much overdue and he'll be as extreme as he needs to be to to avenge the person. It's usually a person he's doing it for rather than himself. Um, So I would get on with him because I think he'd be a good loyal mate, to be honest. I think he's someone I could go for a beer with. Um, He's a Brummie. Um, (laughs) So uh, yeah, I think I'd get on famously with him. Is there anyone I wouldn't get on with? Obviously, there's always usually an angle of a baddie in in the books. Um, so when I go back to Mind Gorilla, um, he's in the police at this time, um, Judge Stone, and there's a there's a a guy called Lionel Scarrow, who's um, he, he's 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 a how can I describe him? Um, he's not someone you would warm to, <laughs> and he's a bit sneaky, and um, he's a bit um distrustful um i don't want to give too much away because obviously someone reads it but i, I certainly won't get on with him i think uh, i'd give him a wide berth line scarrow um the other ones there's a uh, superintendent ben francis who remains a friend of judge to all the books he's a good guy i'd get on with him okay um where probably Judstone also had some friends in the underworld, so the gangster world, um, very much, in fact, with a female gangster in Birmingham called Gia Talia. Um, I don't think I'd be brave enough to even attempt to try and mix and be friends with gangsters. I just, I just feel it would end bad. Um, <laughs> <laughs> even if I was their friend, it's just, it just seems a too dangerous world for me. Judd goes in uh, with with, uh, both feet, but really, uh, Anthony's happy to do so. But he can look after himself. He can look after himself in a big way.
1: (laughs) Um, Have you put any um, people you know into your books?
0: Um, The only ones I have, um, there's um, on the back of some school reunions, um, which is a quite amazing thing because... I went to school quite a while ago <laughs> um there's a couple of um well ladies they are, i know i went to school with um they wanted to be written into so luckily they've read my books and they like them so they said come on you've got to put me in a book god put me in a book so obviously there's always a disclaimer in the front of a book these are not based on anyone blah blah blah, blah. you know that bit you know the the bog standard um legal bit there's no these are the fiction of uh i'm paraphrasing here but you know these these are um Characters are a fiction of the author's imagination and do not bear resemblance to real peers people. However, there is one chapter to be fair in Luna, um, up at my local pub, I meet the three, Judge Stone, not me, God, no. Uh, <laughs> Judge Stone meets these three um, ladies that I know uh, in the pub for a scene. And they actually help him uh, with some directions to just get up to uh, Great Bar Hall which is where um, a body has been discovered. Great Bar is a real place. Um, and it was something that was used at the back in the days of the Lunar Society. And um, he, he, he's not quite sure where to find this hall because it is a little bit out in the back. back, Even though it's in urban Birmingham, you'd be surprised at um, how, it, how, it, how it's beyond the estates and in sort of um, a rural setting. Uh, so they help him find the way to that um, Great Bar Hall so we can start to investigate this um, body that's been found. So they're the only ones really who who, who are in it and it was by request, so. um, I don't don't base my characters normally on people I know, to be honest, Um, they usually um, totally are fiction of my imagination. Uh, and I actually, I know some authors will use, and that's fine, they they use the inspiration from other people and think, ah, oh, I can use it. But I'm not, I'm not like that. I seem to think I look for the opposites of people I know and that informs the characters, which is just the way I do it. Another thing that I don't like to do, if I can help it, is use names of characters, of, of people I know. So um, I don't know anyone called Judd, for example. Um, and, and, and it can be an agonizing thing for me. Um, trying to find a name that fits a character one because i do want to avoid it to be someone that i know um and two i like you know it has to suit the character and and build that imagery when someone's reading it that that name fits that character Uh, do
1: you enjoy writing your series more or your standalones
0: great question um If you'd have asked me a few years ago, I think I'd have said the standalones. And I think, you know, I'm not saying I will never do a standalone again. Um, and I didn't think I'd be a series writer. And I think it's because the books, apart from the Peter James, Roy Grace series, which there's just been on the telly, Grace, actually, but I got into them books quite a while ago. Um, he's one of my favourite authors, um, Peter James. Um, but a lot of like your Stephen King's and James Herbert's, they were standalones. Um, so that, that's what I intended to do, really. Um, but because I wouldn't, necessarily, I wouldn't be so bold to say by public demand that I had to do a series for Judd Stone, but there's certainly interest that a, a series should be born out of Mind Gorilla. Um, and as I've come to do that, I've got to, it's been fun with that character going through different journeys. So I think from that point of view, um, I think I do prefer writing the series now um, rather than the standalones. Um, but that's not to say I wouldn't do a standalone again, I would do, but the series is, is getting fun. Um, and every time I get an idea now for a book, it tends, it doesn't tend to be necessarily, it, it, It's I get the idea for the book and it's, how can I make Jud Stone fit into this story now? That's kind of the way it goes, so it becomes a series uh, rather than standalone.
1: And would you consider giving any of your characters in the series their own spin-off?
0: Yeah, I I have thought about that. That's a good question. Um, There's a in the first book, beneath the floodlights. um, It's about a football team that gets took over by vampires, and um, the human footballers. There's two or three quite good characters in the human footballers. Vinnie Bruiser, Bradshaw, for example, he's one guy. Um, and Jodie Roper is another. So Jodie Roper is is um, he's the defender and, he, and he's, he's into the 80s. He's kind of stuck in a time warp. And he plays um, he plays tape machines before they go out on the pitch to play, to G, G, the, G the team up and everything. And he's always playing 80s songs and that, and uh, he's still got a mullet. <laughs> um <laughs> And Vinnie Bruiser Bradshaw is, is, is a little bit like Judd Stone in some ways, in, in that like um he'll hit he'll hit people first and ask questions later, perhaps. Um he's a little he's not as sophisticated as Judd Stone. Um, and he, he is someone actually who suffers from Tourette's syndrome. Um, and but he uses that to his advantage. So sometimes he'll 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 call referees naughty names and things. Um and sometimes he means it, but he'll pretend it's his Tourette's doing it. Um, he's, he's quite a lovable character. He's a lovable rogue. And um, i thought about them two doing some sort of spin-off together. Vincent Bradshaw and um, Jodie Roper. Um, I, I even thought about them when they retired from football going on and being like crime duo or something. I don't quite know. Um I think out of all the characters, if I was going to do it, I think it would be them two. Yeah, I think that's the ones it would be. So maybe one day, yeah. yeah, maybe one day. They're good fun, they're good, two good fun characters. They are. Um, Jodie Roper does appear in a short story in um, New Street Authors New Street Stories, sorry, which is um, which is out and about. Um, it's all about. Birmingham-based um, short stories. Um, so you can there is a spin-off with Jodie Roper in, in that. Um, yeah, so but but as, as a book and a character and a series, I think Vinnie Bro- to be honest, Vinnie Vinnie Bruiser Radshaw, he deserves a bit more uh, bit more uh, time in the limelight, I think, to be fair. He's a good character, I like him. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Um, Do you hide any secret jokes or messages in your books only a few people would understand?
0: Um, No, to be honest, no. I don't know, that makes me dull and boring. Um, Perhaps it's something I should start doing. Um, Not really, nah. Uh, I might put in the odd message, not secret message by anything, but, you know, I might put something in. I can't think of a specific example, but I might put something in where... It's a message I want to get over, you know. Um, it, it wouldn't be political or nothing like that, but if it, it's just um, making a statement a little bit, you know. Um, I may do that occasionally, but nah, no secret messages, no secret jokes. Um, not for me, not at the moment. Perhaps <laughs> my next book. <laughs> um,
1: what's your biggest fear and would you write about it?
0: Um... I think my biggest fear is probably people not liking my books, you know, um, uh, and getting horrendous reviews. I guess, which is probably the same for all authors, because you just never know. You might think you've written a gem, and then, but when you know when it's actually read by people, you might think it's a pile of <laughs> something. <used to>. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, I think that's my biggest fear. Would I write about it? Um, possibly, yeah. Never know. Um, I think one day will I write an autobiography. I've often thought about that. I don't think I'm famous enough to. I don't know who'd read it, to be honest. Um, but maybe one day if I did, then you, I'd have to reflect in that about uh, fears and things, I guess. Um, but I could, if it, if it was something that could help other authors, so it was like a bit of a self help reference book or something, um, how to overcome fears and all that, uh, potentially I could, yeah. Yeah, I would never say never. But no plans for it at the moment to be honest um but i'd never say never yeah
1: what's your biggest goal as a writer
0: um biggest goal is it's probably the opposite of mafia is that people enjoy my books and buy them and you know obviously yeah i would love to sell enough to um retire on, on the seaside or something like that so you know sales are important but um, it, it, it is about the readership and people connecting and enjoying my books is the biggest goal to any financial benefit of writing absolutely 100% you know I want people to be entertained and to enjoy my books um, so that's my biggest goal another goal I'd love to see them turn it you know turn into films and stuff like that and uh, or TV series I'd love that to happen yeah I would really love that to happen
1: and do you have anyone in mind for who you'd like to play your main characters?
0: Oh, that's a great question. <laughs> um, Jud Stone, I think Tom Hardy could pull him off. He could do a Judd Stone, I think you'd have to learn his Birmingham accent. though. But I think <laughs> I, don't, I don't think that's beyond him. Um, someone else has mentioned Sean Boone before for Judd Stone. and I could see that fit as well. Again, he'd have to do his Birmingham accent. Um, because he is kind of, he, he's 40, around the 40 mark. Um, which I know Sean Bean's uh, older than that these days, but he still looks pretty damn good to me. Um, and he'd get away with it. Um, so, yeah, uh, it, it it's got to be a certain type of person for Judd. Um, Jake Zenner, who is in Things I'll Never See, is a rock star. Um it's hard to think who could play him to be honest um although either of them two guys again could play him to be honest um gia talia who is i uh, spoke about the female gangster in the judge stone books actually she'd she'd be good to have a spin-off series to be honest um she's she's quite a powerful obviously she's a head gangster in birmingham so she's quite a powerful woman she's a powerful independent woman um so she'd be a good series and also I think there's a few people could play her. I think Keely Horse could play her. Um, And I I sometimes watch the telly and I think about people, and I sometimes like to think of them people playing the characters in my books, but it's out of their comfort zone, so to speak. For example, um, if you look at Fiona Dolman, who's in um, Midsummer Murders, I think she could play Gia I know that's it's a totally different alien character to what she plays in *Midsummer Murders*, Well, she's just got that kind of look. And I think, and, and you know, act, actors and actresses, are, are, they can adapt their characteristics how they need to be. And I think I always think, yeah, she could do him. Well, Keely Hawes would be good as well. She, I like her. So she'd be, either of them would be good at um, Gia But I wouldn't. I wouldn't be adverse either to. Um, Sort of um, newborn talent coming through. Sometimes I think that can work. If you don't necessarily know who the actor or actress is, um, you can identify with them in that character more then, um, because it's it's like you're watching them for the first time as that character. Um, so I wouldn't I wouldn't be averse to that happening either.
1: Not that you thought about
0: it oh. at all. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Um, What do you do to celebrate when you finish writing your book, your latest book? Um,
0: Probably have a bottle of beer. Um, (laughs) Big sigh of relief. Um, Nothing too major, to be honest. Um, That's probably just it. A bit of sigh of relief, a bit of relax, a bit of a chill. Put Netflix on, have a beer. (laughs) Probably about it, yeah.
1: Um, If you were able to spend the day with any author, alive or dead, who would you like to spend the day with?
0: Author alive or dead? Ooh, that's a big question. Um, I think Peter James, um, because he dabbles with the supernatural as well as uh, crime. Um, so he's... There's some parallels there, am I right? So I'm not claiming to be anything near as good as Peter James. I think he's a phenomenal author. Um, but it seems that um, we have similar ideas in our head about how the supernatural can find its way into books um, and stories um, and still make it, or attempt to make it believable. Um, so it's not like an out there type thing. It's about, you know, ah, oh, this thing could actually happen. So I think, I think it'd be an interesting guy to just chat to. So yeah, Peter James.
1: Um, what's your most embarrassing story? Oh my
0: God, uh, this loads. Is <laughs> 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 uh, it connected to writing or just anything? Anything. Anything, right. Um, it's gotta be then. Um, and it's going back a bit, obviously. So um, when I lived with my parents, um, and this might not be the most embarrassing one, but for some reason it's the one that's come to mind. Um, used to get the buzz back, number seven bus, or bus, as you say, buzz, we say buzz in Birmingham. Uh, number seven bus. used to get it back uh, through Whitton, past the Aston Villa ground. And after a few... Uh, a few bevvies in, in my younger years in Birmingham, um, coming back from Birmingham City Centre. So way before I was married and had kids, etc. Um, used to get off at Whitten Island by the Ground and go for a Balti, um, which is um, curry that's quite phenomenal in um, or, or quite well known in, in Birmingham. And for some reason, after having a few, you um, probably hear my dog barking. Apologies for that. Um, I decided to take a run up towards a bin and kicked the bin, um, which was totally stupid and childish, um, but I totally missed it. I totally missed the bin, swung, kicked, and fell flat on my back. And my mates, they just like, they didn't care that I could have broke my back, smashed my skull or anything. They were just in bits of laughter. Um, and <laughs> so it was that. It's my own stupid fault trying to act clever and uh, ended up on my back. So that was pretty embarrassing. And if anyone who saw me, they'd um, have had a good laugh. But my mates definitely saw me and they did definitely <laughs> have a good laugh. And they reminded me about it for many years to come. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and now you've just reminded them again as they watch this, so...
0: Yeah, exactly, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, so apart from your family and watching TV and films, is there anything else you like to do when you're not writing, working, etc.? <laughs>
0: Uh, go to the uh, Molyneux and watch Wolves play, um, I go about half a dozen times a year um, and that's usually surrounded by going to pub before and after so it's a nice day out um, and I like to get back in pubs to be honest, um, I can't wait till that day comes with them um, coming out of lockdown. Um, I like to travel, um, you know I love going to city breaks, Beach breaks, country breaks, whatever it may be. I love, you know, love going to places like Paris, Prague, Amsterdam. Um, I love the Peak District, which is one setting for my book. Things I'll never see um, is in the Peak District. Um, so yeah, I like to travel, eat out, um, go and watch football. Really, man, a simple pleasures, really.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> No, not at all. And
0: um, who was your first celebrity crush? Oh. Um, I think when I was really, really young, um, my sister's a bit older than me. Um, and I know she was into Donny Osmond, so I think I, I did quite like Marie Osmond, but I really, really was young then, but I did like her. Um <laughs> I think as I was coming of age, shall we say, um when the hormones start raging, scene imagine that Bucks Fizz come on the scene <laughs> and uh, the two girls in books, fizz, uh, um you know, kept my attention when they're on the telly and Kim Wilde was another one really. And I got to see Kim Wilde. She supported Michael Jackson. So it was a Michael Jackson concert. I went to see Kim Wilde and she didn't disappoint. And so, yeah, it's got to be Bucks Fizz stroke Kim Wilde really, I think.
1: You've
0: seen Michael Jackson as well? I saw Michael Jackson as well, yeah. Um, oh. And he was a phenomenal artist. Um, really good, really good entertainer. Wembley was as well, the old Wembley. So, um, yeah, he was, he was brilliant. That's something I like to do, actually, going back to what... I don't so much these days. One time I would have gone to a lot of concerts. To be honest, there's not that many... Uh, People around these days that inspire me musically. If I'm being totally honest, you know, there's not that many people I would actually go and see. Um, Lady Gaga would, for example. But you know, back in the day, George Michael, Simple McCartney. Never, unfortunately, had a chance to see John Lennon or Elvis Presley. Um, Spandau Ballet, I've seen. Uh, Wham! When George Michael and Andrew Ridgeley were together, uh, Wham! The final that was a brilliant, brilliant. Um, Concert back in 1986, showing me how you know BG Sh- Shania Twain, I think was the last person I went to see in concert. She was really good. Um, so, yeah, I don't mind going to see a bit of live music, but live music for me these days are probably more to go and see the local band or put me uh, my local pub, to be honest and go to a big concert, just that little intimate setting and have a bit of live music in the background.
1: Yeah, yeah, I get that. Um, although the last person I saw live, I think, was Ed Sheeran. But yeah. <laughs> that was a dream. But generally, I go and see older people in smaller places, which is fun. Yeah.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. I think I'm more the same. Um, like, the we, we've got the NIA in Birmingham, um, which is, is quite easy to get to in, in Birmingham City Centre. But a lot of the concerts and the bigger concerts are at the NEC. Um, but that can be a little bit of a pain to get to, um, to be honest. It's a bit of a faff. So if uh, you know, I can get to a more easily, journal-y, if that's a real sort of way of saying it, um, to go and see someone I will. than rather go out to the NEC. It's a great venue, the NEC, but it's, it's not, you know, you can't just get on the bus to it or nothing. Whereas you can, I can entertain. It's um, all Black Sabbath three years ago, three, four
1: years ago. They were really good. Um, yeah. Anyone top of the list that you would
0: go to see now? Um, I know. I mean, I know McCartney's still um, playing, but I've seen him a few times. Um, and he's not necessarily top of my list at the moment to see. Um, Lady Gaga, I think, because I think she'd be she. She's. I mean, amazing voice, amazing amazing presence. I think it'd be a theatrical performance as well. So yeah, I think Lady Gaga probably at the moment. My one regret of someone who I probably could have seen because I've never had the chance to see John Lennon or Elvis, um, or Bowie. I should have seen Bowie. Uh, I should have made the time and effort to see David Bowie. So he's he's the one regret that I never got to see. Uh, top of the list of these days would be Lady Gaga, I think. Yeah. Well, you never know.
1: Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What would those closest to you say your worst habits are?
0: Oh my God. Uh, My wife definitely thinks I'm untidy. I can't see it, Um, but she thinks I'm untidy. Um, And I can, I can, I know I am. (laughs) Uh, And I was was always a bit untidy, going back to when, um, before I got married uh so when I was with my mum and dad and going back to the um these days if I get an idea for a book I text it to myself <laughs> makes me think I've got friends <laughs> I text myself um <laughs> back in the day I used to write song lyrics on the back of envelopes or whatever it may be just bits of paper uh and I and, and I'd either use them in the band or I'd um I'd just leave them randomly on the dressing table or in, hidden in drawers and that, thinking I'll go back to them one day, or I'd say to mum, "You can't throw them away because you know they're going to. Be, I'm going to be famous one day, and they and some <laughs> someone's going to pay loads of money for them. Obviously, they haven't. I think they have all been chucked away, um, and they wouldn't anyway. Uh, I've got I've come to realise that that was a, a bit of a silly statement, um, but yeah, I know. So I know that I'm a bit of a hoarder, definitely a bit of a hoarder. Um, I don't like to throw things away. So I think, well, I might need that one day. Um, and Nine times out of ten, the moment that I do be sort of quite ruthless and I, oh, I'm i going to throw it away today. I'm going to throw it away. It's it's going to, sud's law, next, you know, within a week or so. I really needed that beast of information, whatever it is, to do something. It's always away, way, um, even though I hadn't looked at it for 10, 20 years and didn't need anything uh, to do with it. So definitely that, definitely that, I think. Yeah. Um, my untidiness, <laughs> my <laughs> hoarding.
1: <laughs> um, if you were stranded on a desert island, then what three things would you want with you?
0: Assuming there's some sort of internet connection, <laughs> my laptop. Your
1: desert island, so you okay, make it up as okay. you want to go.
0: <laughs> okay, well let's present it there. So I don't, you know, I don't want my, my internet uh, to be one of my things. Uh, so let's, let's for some reason. There's bandwidth, Uh, so my laptop. So I'll continue to uh, to write, of course. I think it'd be my Beatles collection uh, CDs, which means I have a CD player with them. That let's pretend that's one bundle, hopefully. So CD player with CDs to play. Uh, I'm old school. I'm not really into this digital uh, thing. I'd still put CDs on, Um, (laughs) and uh, assuming. I'll need electricity for all that. Um, I guess uh, a TV. It would have to be a TV to course, a telly.
1: Yeah, I think that's probably it. <laughs> so you're yeah, planning on cool. quite a chilled desertion, yeah. on the island, and then just some TV yeah. and music. And yeah, then.
0: yeah, just enjoy it. <laughs> Chill on the desert island. If I could have a fourth thing. It would be a beer fridge.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but then you'd need a fifth thing to actually have beer in it.
0: Yeah, that's, and then
1: true. that's
0: just that's taking true. a piss, really. So yeah, it is really. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think um, Cameron Diaz would that would be fun to have on a desert island. Like, she seems to me a girl with, with bundles of energy and bundles of fun. Um, I'm sure she wouldn't think twice about sharing a desert island with me. Obviously, but my <laughs> wife might have something. To, my wife might have something to say about it as well. Um. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, I noticed you're not taking her as well, so yeah.
0: Well, I just assumed she was stranded on the desert island with me.
1: Mm, yeah, I'm sure you did. Yeah, <laughs> that came across. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you gonna be in big trouble when you get off it. <laughs> I know. <laughs> does your wife read your books? No, she
0: does not. <laughs> she, um. It's, it's a funny old thing. Um, she's never really read fiction. All, all her reading is um, fact-based stuff. Um, so uh, she did have a go at reading Mind Gorilla and she got to about five cents on the Kindle. And, and, and it's not that she was enjoying it, but it, she's just not into fiction. She just doesn't read fiction. Um, so no, she's never read none of my books. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a really great endorsement, isn't it?
1: It's actually surprisingly common So don't take it too personally (laughs) No,
0: no To be honest, it is something I've picked up from other authors um, That their spouses uh, Girlfriends, partners, whatever uh, Don't read their books Um, It's it's a bit of a strange one But yeah, that's how it is I'm sure that doesn't work for actors I'm sure, and music I'm sure they listen to their music and watch their films But yeah No she doesn't read my books.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and do you want your kids to read them when they're old enough?
0: Yeah. Uh, I'd like them to, yeah. My mum and dad, bless them, have read every single one. I mean, they're pushing 80 you now. They, they, they read my books. Um, I mean, my kids are old enough to read them now. They're, um, uh, you know, uni age. Um, but again, they just haven't. They keep telling me they will. But we'll see. I've got two daughters. The one daughter isn't really an avid reader. The other one is. Um, so it's about time the most avid reader one read it, to be honest. I think I'll be having a word, actually. And yeah, she has promised it. me she'll read it. Yeah, yeah. She's yeah.
1: just just that. reminder. I will, I will.
0: I will. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: so are you working on anything at the moment?
0: Yes. Um, I'm working on double fantasy which is the next Judd Stone novel, so it'll be the fourth in the Judd Stone series. Um, I'm about just under halfway through uh, the first draft. Um, It's about, it's going to involve the supernatural and witchcraft, um, but it starts off with a um, a tribute tribute artist festival, so all the acts there are tribute artists and Judd gets roped roped in, Uh, but something happens, don't give too much away, something happens with some local Liverpool gangsters, uh, which means they have to flee Liverpool, um, because that's where the tribute festival is taking place. And they wind up in um, him and his mates, um, and some of the tribute artists, um, because I thought that'd be quite a funny angle to have um, you know, like someone pretending to be George Michael with them, someone pretending to be David Barry with them, um, someone pretending to be Prince with them, someone pretending to be Madonna with them. Um, and they end up in um, hot water, you in know, in, in a supernatural and witchcraft type of way. Um, so that that's almost, I guess, a book of two halves, which again is a bit of a Tarantino technique. When you look at From Dust Till Dawn, that was like a road movie, become a vampire movie. So this movie's that this book rather is like um, starts off of being um, a bit like Judd goes away with his mates on this trip, so it's like um, a bit like the Hangover that type thing, um, and but then it becomes into this world of supernatural. Um, the other thing I'm working on is um, so I'm co co um, presenting or co co hosting or co coordinating. Um, an event for authors um, uh, for Birmingham uh, Birmingham 22. So basically it's, um, it's an author and reader event. So m- myself and three other authors um, were putting this on and, um, <laughs> okay, so I think we got to um, what am I working on now? So I'd spoke about Double Fantasy, the next Richard Stone novel, but also I spoke about, um, I'm putting on with some other authors an author and reader event in Birmingham Um, It's to help celebrate the Commonwealth Games coming to Birmingham um, and people can buy tickets and come and meet us. Um, Me, my fellow colleagues and about 70 authors actually and some are coming from overseas. So um, that's going to be held at the Council House in Birmingham City Centre. It's going to be a really good event. Um, So you can meet, meet and greet, have buy signed copies, have photos taken, raffles. And um, we're also making sure some proceeds go to Dementia UK and Cure Leukemia, who are our two um, charities for the event. But in terms of writing, um, most of the authors are going to com- commit a short story. Um, and so it'll be an anthology that works in line with the event. So um, there'll be a short story from all poems from. Not all the authors, but a good few of the authors, um, and that'll be print published and available. So I'm writing a, a story at the moment because um, the Birmingham theme, because of it being the event being in Birmingham uh, around the Rum Runner. Um, so that's a standalone piece of work. Um, the, Rum Ru- the run the Runner was um, where Duran, st- Duran Duran started off in Birmingham in uh, the early eighties, uh, late seventies. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm weaving a story around that at the moment. Um, which will be my offering of a short story for that anthology. Exciting. Yeah. <laughs> I've actually got uh, a lot of ideas to get stuff going and, and doing, but it's finding the time. It's a bit frustrating at times because, um, like London Buzzies, all your ideas come at once, but I can only write one book first. <laughs> then. Um, I'm also working on, um, so just a quick plug. Uh, I said I spoke about John Lennon, so with Andrew Spark actually, who's one of the other guys who is um, putting on the, uh, the Birmingham event, um, that, that's got a discology of all John Lennon stuff, so I'm also doing a discology of Amy Winehouse, um, so that will be, I mean there, there's lots of different authors contributed to Andrew's um, discology series, um, with all different artists um, but often, John Lennon, and I'm going to be doing Amy Winehouse, and I'm going to be doing one for George Michael as well. Awesome. <laughs> as, I, as, I, as I speak, I am drafting um, the compiler's notes as we speak at the moment. Awesome. Lots yeah. going on then. <laughs> yeah, lots going on. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All good though. It's better to be busy and not, and to be dried up with writer's blocks. So, yeah, all good. I'm not complaining.
1: <laughs> um, well I don't have any more questions for you unless you think there's yeah. anything that I haven't asked you that you want to tell us
0: um, no I think you've, uh, you've asked me some quite searching questions thank you for that I've enjoyed the interview enjoyed the time um, obviously you know you'll find me on Amazon I've also got a website which is as simple as www.martintracy.co.uk uh, you find me on Facebook and Twitter um, so to, you know, um, please, if, if you want to read about Vampires taking Over Football Teams or Jud Stone or Rockstars By and Haunted. Um, so, yeah, but thank you very much, Donna, for your time and for asking me them really good questions. I really enjoyed the interview. Thanks for having me.
1: You're very welcome indeed. Okay. <laughs>